The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, it's Cooley and Kevin Wednesday. Cooley does have a defensive film breakdown, which we will get to. Um, a lot of you really enjoyed the show yesterday. I don't know why, Cooley, but I had so many people reach out just telling me how much they loved the show yesterday. I think a lot of people really enjoyed the film breakdown, but also the conversation about Rivera and the rotation of quarterbacks. Um, we both appreciate all the feedback, and uh, and we love doing this um, together. Uh, we do, and Cooley is is doing um, yeoman's work here this year with this film breakdown, and it's been great for the podcast. Um, we're going to get to that, but I just asked you a question before we started to record this, and we just decided together we would open the show with it. The NFL playoffs start this weekend. How many teams legitimately, I mean legitimately in your mind, can win the Super Bowl out of the 14 in the postseason? We don't have 12. We had 14 this year. How many of those 14 can win the Super Bowl? Like legitimately you can go in and say, yeah, if they win the Super Bowl, it's not going to surprise me. In this little exercise that we're doing right now, I'm trying to decide who can't win the Super Bowl. And I've come to this conclusion that I'm uh, it's not who can't win the Super Bowl. It's who shouldn't win the Super Bowl. And so I'm trying to get to this through process of elimination. So if you want, who shouldn't win the Super Bowl right now? Washington shouldn't win the Super Bowl. Cleveland shouldn't. Baltimore, I don't think, should win the Super Bowl. The Rams, the Titans, um... I don't know if I think Seattle should win a Super Bowl. Okay. You've given me 16. But Seattle's gotten much better on defense mm-hmm. now that they've gotten guys healthy. They've been they've the script. They were good on offense, then they weren't, but now they're good on defense. I'm not sure on Seattle. The Rams, I don't know what they got with the quarterback situation. They're the best defense, I think, personally, in the NFL. But they don't have the offense and they don't have the quarterback i don't know if i believe in tennessee's defense enough i don't know if i believe in ryan Tannehill enough in tennessee baltimore if they get behind in any given game which is going to happen can lamar jackson not panic he hasn't shown it to me in the first couple years he's gonna have to show it to me cleveland doesn't have the defense I don't think Baker Mayfield's consistent enough, even though he's been electric at times. Washington doesn't have the offense. 
And defense, I thought about this over and over over the last two days with Washington. And we'll talk about it more and more. That Baltimore defense that won the Super Bowl in like 2002 with Ray Lewis? Was that the year? 2000, yeah. 2000? Yeah. Defensive rules were different at that time. Um, How different were they? You could hit... You were going to get a personal foul no. for hitting the quarterback. There okay. was no, there was no, there was no penalties in the backfield for tackling the quarterback low. That was before the New England press rule came about. Yeah. No, so you're you're right about obviously. Back end coverage it. was dynamically different. You could blow guys up, cross in the middle of the field. They weren't going to get up for that. Safety play was incredibly different. Receivers were afraid to run across the middle of the field, at least more than they are now. That defense was would have been a different defense a little bit in today's football. Yeah, I don't know if a defense can control, control the game truly. You know, San Francisco was as good as a, an example last year. And it's just because of how damn consistent they were on first and second down defense. Like they were the best first down defense in the league I've seen a long time last year, San Francisco, with that defensive line and what they did on the back end. So talented. But I don't know if defense can just win a Super Bowl at this point. I think you have to have offense. Um, Denver proved it a couple years ago as they got there, though. So as you go through Washington, they shouldn't win a Super Bowl. Could anything happen where defense takes over four games, Kev? Four? No, that shouldn't happen. And I don't think Chicago can win a Super Bowl. So that's seven teams. So you have seven that can win it. So I have seven teams that can win the Super Bowl. And your seven are? My seven teams are Kansas City. Everyone knows Kansas City can win a Super Bowl. In the AFC, Buffalo. Buffalo is as hot as it is, and I am. I watched. I sat down and watched three games of Josh Allen. The last three games, he's uh, outstanding right now. He's playing at such a high level. His eyes, his footwork in the pocket, his timing, his anticipation, everything about Josh Allen, electric. They have absolute weapons in Stephon Diggs, and they got John Brown back, and Beasley's a heck of a player, and this kid Dalton Knox is a pretty good tight end for them. I can't believe I can just rattle off Buffalo's roster. They're good. The backs are really good. Um, They got a shot, and Buffalo plays consistent defense. They're good defense. A Sean McDermott Coach defense is a physical, tough, get-after-you defense. They didn't have a – they still don't have a ton of speed. They have more than they had last year. And they were good last year. Buffalo can win a Super Bowl. I think Indy has a chance to beat Buffalo. <laughs> so why doesn't Indy have a chance to win a Super Bowl? Indy's got an outstanding defense. They're incredibly well-coached. I don't know how that dude isn't right now getting talked about for a coaching job again this year. Aberflus. But – it doesn't seem – yeah, Eberflus is not getting discussed right now for a coaching job. He will. But Indy's a big-time defense. They can truly run the ball. Mm-hmm. Truly. With Frank Reich's a great play designer, and they have really gotten it af- gone after it on the ground. And Phillip Rivers can make plays. He can. He can get you where you need to be. He's more of that Peyton Manning – but he's better than Manning was when Manning won the Super Bowl. But that's more of that old-age quarterback than what Alex Smith actually provides right now. Gosh, it would be great to have Philip Rivers right now instead of Alex. That's true. No offense to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. To um, so I think Indy can. Uh, I think Indy. I don't think Indy will. I maybe should put them in teams that can't, but I, I think they can. Okay. I think, I think so Indy keep can. Them in there. Keep them in. And there. I think Pittsburgh can. I'm keeping them in there, and I think Pittsburgh can win a Super Bowl. I'm not going to buy into this. They can't run the ball thing. They can't. Ben can do whatever he wants, and those receivers are really good. And if they don't have a bunch of drops like they've had over the last half of the season, then they're a team that can absolutely win the Super Bowl. And Pittsburgh, if you remember, 
through the first 11 games were the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, they were. They're healthy. And they're still dominant on defense. So I think Pittsburgh can win it all. In the NFC, Green Bay's shown that they are really good right now. You, you can run it on them. But they get up on everybody, so you don't run it on them. That offense, with what LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are doing right now, and Devontae Adams and the other Adams, that's the Adams family right. running the ball. That kid 33 doesn't have – what's his name? Uh, Aaron Jones. Um, Aaron Jones, not Adams. Yeah, Aaron he, Jones. Aaron Jones good player. Oh, my God. He's really good. I mean, he's not kind of good. He's really good. He's one of the better backs. He's a really good player. He's one of the better backs in the league. Fifth round, too, um, from where? He uh, is. And- at, uh, not Texas. UTEP, I think. Was he? Is he the UTEP? Aaron Jones was a fifth rounder UTEP. And then the other one, Jamal Williams. UTEP. Yeah. Is it UTEP? Aaron Jones is UTEP. Yeah. Okay. I love. I didn't look it up. Did you look it up? No, I didn't. But uh, I'm going to. <laughs> Where's Aaron Jones from? Is it really UTEP? It is UTEP. Fifth rounder, 2017. Who comes out of UTEP? She yeah, and got it. Uh, Just hanging out in El Paso by the border. Old, old El Paso, <laughs> Western Texas. But I mean, but Green it's a different country. Green Bay can do it. That kid Robert Tanyan playing tight end has had a big time year. Yeah. Um, they get after it in the run game if they want to, but they don't have to because Aaron Rodgers can do whatever he wants throwing the football. Right. And when you get down on them, they can get after the passer. Mm-hmm. And both of you and I, Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith and Kamal Martin's had a pretty good year for them. I think Kamal Martin, Kamal's his name. But, and I, obviously I like Adrian Amos, who they acquired a free safety from Chicago last year. He's a big-time playmaker. was in Chicago. as a big part of that defense. Darnell Savage is an outstanding safety. I've liked Jair Alexander for a long time. He's one corner. of the best now. He's one uh, of and I best. like Kevin King. So yeah. I, I think their secondary is outstanding. You, if you don't run it on them, you're in big trouble. And if you don't start running it on them, on them early, big, big trouble. Right. Um, and there are teams like, is Tampa really going to run it on them? Is New Orleans really going to run it on them? Who's really going to run it on Green Bay? In the NFC. Uh, you know, they've been run on at times, but you're right. Like, which team would run it on them in a, in a matchup? Um, you know, Chicago tried to stick with the run the other day, uh, and they weren't able to run it. I, th- I thought in that game they should have run Trubisky more. I thought there should have been much more dual threat against Green Bay uh, in that game. I watched a lot of that game on Sunday. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess Seattle could run it against them. A little bit, but they don't stay with it. The well, Rams are the one team Al- that Alvin, really – Alvin Kamara. Okay, but Kamara is – I mean, he's electric at everything he does, but he leads the league in receptions for a back. What did – what did – um? What did and the Packers? The Packers would play the Saints or the Bears in the second round matchup, right? Yeah. What, what did? What no, did, they would play the Bear. No, they would play the lowest seed. What, so they'd play the Bears, the Rams, yeah. us or Tampa. The pa- yeah, you you reseed. So the Packers will put, play the lowest remaining seed after this yeah. weekend. Right. So they'll play the Rams or the Bears if no, either of those were to win. Yeah, but if if it goes by the seeding, they're going to play. If it goes by seeding, and then they us would, or the Bucks. They would play us, but if it but in real in in reality, they'll probably play the Bucks with the Saints playing the Seahawks. I I don't know. I think the Rams have a shot. Okay. Okay. And then I think I think New Orleans can win it all. My Super New Orleans was my Super Bowl team and they're hot right now with Breeze. I had Tampa Kansas City and you had New Orleans Kansas City, right? I yeah. think. 
All right. Yeah. So, and so you, I think either New Orleans or Tampa could still win it. Both teams, electric offenses at times, very stout, good defenses. So those are my seven teams, four in the AFC, three in the NFC. And then I think there's a series of another seven that shouldn't. I'm going to say shouldn't win it. I'm not going to say can't win it at this point. All right. I, I The conversation real, really is more about who, you know, has – to me, it's like who has at least a sixty percent chance of winning the Super Bowl, something like that. So I'm I'm going to give you five teams. I think there are five teams, and there are two teams that you know when you were talking, I really could see winning a couple of games, um, Seattle and Indianapolis. Um, it's funny because I'm going to give you Buffalo as one of the five teams that can win the Super Bowl. But I agree with you. I think this matchup, the first playoff game of the weekend, Indy and Buffalo, is very interesting because Indy can run the football. They're very well coached defensively. um, And they've got a guy that, you know, is going to approach this like it's his last chance in Phillip Rivers. And I've been a massive, many of you know this, I've been a massive Rivers fan. And when they beat the Chiefs a few years ago um, in that late season game and over uh, with the two-point conversion, at the end, then they got into the postseason and, and beat Baltimore. I really, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be the Rivers run, and they got blown out in Foxborough. Um, so this mm-hmm. is this is an interesting um, setup. I'm glad Indy got into the playoffs. They were an 11 and five team, and they certainly were better than the Dolphins. Uh, certainly, the Dolphins with Tua, if um, Fitzpatrick wasn't going to be eligible. So the five teams to me are, you know, the two number one seeds, Green Bay and Kansas City. Although I'm very interested about the Chiefs. I, of course, I think they can win the Super Bowl. And part of me does believe that they really were coasting in the regular season, that they just got bored to a certain degree. Um, but I also, um, I, I, I'm also interested to see them against what is a loaded AFC field. You know, they're going to get in that, uh, in that second round of the playoffs if it goes by seeding Baltimore or Tennessee. And then in an AFC title game, potentially Buffalo. Um, but Kansas City and Green Bay, to me, are obvious. You know, they're the one seeds. They're going to play one less game to get there than everybody else. And I think Green Bay, even though there are no fans, I think they definitely could have an advantage playing, you know, every game at Lambeau where, you know, you could have brutally cold temperatures and even bad weather, which they seem to really excel in, Aaron Rodgers in particular. Um, I think New Orleans can win the Super Bowl. Breeze worries me a little bit. Um, I don't know. In many ways, it's not an Alex Smith situation. I understand that. But he's not the same guy when I watch him that he's been, nor what I expect him to be. Um, so, uh, But I love that defense. I think they are exceptional um, defensively and, and maybe underrated to a certain degree defensively. And by the way, I think Dennis Allen's a really good defensive coordinator and has been um, for some time. I think New Orleans can win the Super Bowl. I think that Buffalo definitely can win the Super Bowl. I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that this team right now is the most intriguing and the most dangerous. 
they have not been stopped in 11 weeks. It has been since the last game they played against the Chiefs, which was like a Monday afternoon on a reschedule thing, um, and they they it was you know in fog and rain, and it was a close game for a, for a big part of it. They ended up losing, I think, by double digits. Um, and since then, they have won nine of ten games. With the only game they lost, the hail mary Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins. They have been the hottest team in the NFL, and they have destroyed people and destroyed good defensive football teams. See, the the Buccaneers come into this thing on a roll against terrible defensive teams: Atlanta, Minnesota, Detroit. The Bills come in to the, this postseason having faced the Niners, the Steelers, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Dolphins, all very good defensive teams. And they destroyed those teams, destroyed them. So Buffalo, no doubt in my mind, can win the Super Bowl. And I just think it, at some point they may be almost impossible to stop. That's what that that's where they've gotten. Um, so K, the the top four seeds, all right, two, top two in the AFC, KC, Buffalo, top two in the NFC, Green Bay, and New Orleans, and then my fifth team is Baltimore. I think that Baltimore can front run their way to a Super Bowl. You know, you talked about them falling behind, which they did last year to Tennessee, which they did the year before with a much more inexperienced team or quarterback in Lamar Jackson um, to the Chargers, and they were unable to come back in that game. But I definitely think the Ravens are capable of front-running and not getting behind and running over people on the way to leads and keeping those leads. The key for Baltimore is don't fall behind by, by more than two, two scores and don't turn the ball over. You know, they can't turn the ball over. Their defense is good enough where they don't have to score on every drive. They're not going to need to score on every drive. Now, the thing that worries me about Baltimore that you haven't gotten necessarily with Buffalo is they're on this run at the end of the year after losing. They lost to the Steelers in that Tuesday game with RG3, a quarterback. I mean, that was that was a terrible game. Um, the last legitimate loss was to Tennessee in overtime when Derrick Henry had that big game. They beat the Cowboys, Browns, Jags, Giants, and Bengals down the stretch. And that Browns game on that Monday night was a phenomenal game, one of the games of the year. I think Baltimore's capable of front-running their way to a Super Bowl and not falling behind by two scores and and having good defense and a run attack. By the way, Cooley, how good is Gus Edwards? Like, every time I, I turn on a Baltimore well, game... he's good, but J.K. Dobbins has been the guy. I understand that. But Gus Edwards, you know, when he gets... It seems like it's five yards every single time he touches it. Every single time. It seems to me that when Baltimore runs the football, it's almost a fluke if they don't get five yards. Well, they lead the league in yards per play, rushing the football. Obviously, they lead the league in yards per game, but they... They're predominantly a running team. That said, for a running team, they still lead the league in yards per play. They average five and a half yards per carry when they run the football. Yeah, they're averaging. Are they averaging two hundred yards a game rushing or not? Do, do not one ninety one. One ninety two. Really? Do you, do you know what they did in, in in against Cincinnati on Sunday? Do you know what they did rushing wise? They rushed, yeah. They rushed for four hundred and four yards. A four. That's an NFL game. That that's not you. When was the last time an NFL team rushed for 404 yards? We didn't do a lot of other NFL. 
It, uh, here it is. It's been like 40 years or something? Yeah, here it is. The fourth team since 1950 to rush for more than 400 in a single game. Um, so it's only happened four times in the last 70 years of the NFL. I mean, Baltimore... I mean, it's a little bit different because they played a team who didn't give a, a damn in week 17 I understand. where they had to win. Well, Cincinnati had been actually playing pretty well. I mean. Yeah, but there's some context to that. Okay. Cincinnati wasn't a good defense either. And it's in week 17, and they had to win a game. Yeah, I understand. Uh, I, the problem I, with Baltimore is they're the worst team in the league in throwing the football. They have, the, they have less yards per game than the Jets throwing the football. Yeah, but he, he throws it okay in the red zone. You know, they get down there, and then all of a sudden, they're, you know, there's some big tight end like Andrews or somebody else wide open. You know, I, I don't I, – Baltimore is my fifth team. I think those five teams, Casey, Baltimore, uh, Casey, Buffalo, Baltimore, Green Bay, New Orleans. You know, I'm hesitant to say Seattle because every time I watch them, I, they have Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, and that should, that, that should automatically have them into that category of teams that can win it. I just – I've watched them. They just aren't very impressive to me. They almost lost to the 49ers, who really gave professional efforts down the stretch. Um, the Rams game was ugly. It was an ugly win. The win here was ugly. You know, against Haskins, they had a chance to lose that game. They lost to the Giants within the last month. I just don't buy the Seahawks right now. The indie thing to me is more intriguing because I've been a fan of that team all year long. I'm totally with you. I think they are so well coached, and now they are really – they've gotten Jonathan Taylor going. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 250 yards on Sunday against Jacksonville. He was a back I loved coming out of Wisconsin. There were you know moments earlier in the year where it was like, uh, my, he might, might not be the guy, but he's had a couple of monster games here over the last month, and he capped it off with a 250-yard-plus performance against Jacksonville in a game they had to have. If they can run the football and keep Josh Allen – off the field and then, you know, have Rivers not lose the game. I think Rivers can win games, don't get me wrong. I also think as much as I love him, he can also lose a game for you very easily um, by throwing, by taking a a risk that's unnecessary, like the one he took in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago that had him on the brink of being uh, eliminated from the playoffs at 11-5. and There is something very intriguing about Indy to me. There is, and if they, it's not going to shock me if that game Saturday is down to the the fourth quarter, and it would be, by the way, the first close game Buffalo's been involved in in a long time. When's the last? It was the Cardinal game, the Hail Mary game, the Hail Mary game. They've just they they've annihilated people, annihilated people. So, uh, but I I I'm with you on Indy a little bit, but I don't think that they can win three games on the road. Not that the road. The means thing much. is, is the road's not the road I know, anymore. I know, which I know, is why, I know it, which is probably why I have seven teams. Maybe that can win this. Yep. Um, you know, the first game of the weekend, that Indy Buffalo game, is really an intriguing game. By the way, that line is under seven, and I would suggest to you right now that when we get to Friday, that Indy's going to be in the smell test. I don't know how many other teams are going to be in the smell test. Probably the Bears, because I don't think anybody's going to have the Bears against the Saints. The Saints are laying a big number, but still, the public, I would imagine, when I when we get to later in the week, I'm going to get information that the public's playing the Saints and the Bills probably more than – and probably the Bucks, and probably the Bucks too. Um, but that indie game, 
That indie game is going to be really interesting. Uh, also, what's the weather? Because it's Buffalo. Jesus, we got to look that up real quickly. What is the weather? Uh, um, Buffalo, New York, Saturday, s- partly sunny, 30 degrees. So, you know, a good football day, not what it could have been in Buffalo this time of year. Um, by the way, they're going to have fans too, right? It, uh, it, didn't they clear the way for a certain, certain percentage? Like 20%. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you've got seven teams. I've got five teams that can win it all. I would be very surprised if the Super Bowl winner comes from the other nine teams that I didn't mention. I'd be, I'd be, and I didn't mention Tampa Bay, Cooley, and they were my pick. I did not put Tampa in there. I am not sold on Tampa. I think that I love Arians. I love Bowles. I love their talent. I think what was wrong with them just a month ago when there were you know reports about Arians and Brady and you know Brady was unhappy and Arians was unhappy and the whole thing after they had lost a couple of games to the Rams and the Chiefs just because they beat the Vikings who had a kicker miss three field goals and an extra point the Falcons twice in the Lions and by the way the first Falcons game they were down 17 nothing at halftime to the Falcons in that game The Falcons are terrible on defense. The Vikings are terrible on defense. The Lions in that Saturday game, that wasn't even a game. I mean, you know, Chase Daniel and David Blau were the quarterbacks for for the Lions. I, I just don't know if they've proven it to me that against good teams they can win because they haven't. Have they even beaten a team yet this year? Well, they beat Green Bay. They beat Green Bay. With their, they pressured the hell out of Aaron Rodgers, and he threw some picks, and 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 they beat Green Bay pretty soundly. But that was a long time ago. Now that had to be what late September, maybe early October, whatever. Um, it was it was earlier in this year. It was yeah, early October probably. I just don't see Tampa being in the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't see it, and and I I mean. Anyway, uh, when we come back before Cooley starts his defensive film breakdown, I I do have a question for Chris about the game Saturday night. Um, And I will ask that uh, of him and myself right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Cooley's defensive film breakdown coming up. Um, again, if you missed the offensive film breakdown, I would urge you to go listen to it, especially the Alex Smith um, piece and I think also Cooley's uh, idea of what they should be doing more of. Um, go listen to yesterday's show. Um, my question to you, which I will answer as well after you answer it, is they're here. They made it. They're in the playoffs. They have their first playoff game in five years. Uh, they will try to win their first playoff game in 15 years. Okay, the 15 years ago uh, this week, uh, you were a part of the team that won the, the, the organization's last playoff game, and it was at Tampa Bay. Um, and it was a game in which there wasn't much offense produced. In fact, I think it was the lowest yardage total of a winning playoff team in NFL history at that point. I think it was, what, like 110 yards of total offense, something like that. Um, but you guys won 17-10. to 10. You went to Seattle the following week, and Carlos Rogers had a pick six in his hands and dropped it for a 10-0 lead in the second quarter after, after you had knocked out uh, – LeVar had knocked out um, Sean Alexander. Um, by the way, real quickly before I ask you the question that I'm going to ask you, what do you remember about that that playoff uh, win at Tampa? I remember thinking that there was no way we were going to lose a football game. <laughs> at that point, you'd won a bunch in at a row. Point, yeah, we'd won a bunch in a row. I remember I had a couple big catches in that game. I remember at one point we had a double pass that I was going to throw that we actually called went to the field with or broke the huddle with and then there was a timeout called and i was devastated because joe changed the play call you were gonna throw a pass Mm -hmm. did you ever throw a pass in your career no what can do you have a good arm yeah really oh yeah why i i mean i i never knew this at that point, we now this this had nothing to do with do I have a good arm as a quarterback. But at that point, we always played punt, pass, and kick, and all these stupid games. I could throw it seventy yards in the air. Really? I can still throw it six sixty. Really? Uh huh. An athlete, buddy. I was a baseball player. I I, I, was I a center fielder. I know you. I know you're an athlete. I just didn't think that you were that kind of. I, I didn't think that quarterback would have been a position you would have ever played at any point in your life. Ooh, we haven't talked about this? No. My biggest regret in sports is that I wasn't a quarterback. I was always the quarterback. And then we moved to Utah. <laughs> and what happened then? Well, in my before my freshman year of high school... I w- went to Wyoming to spend the summer with m- my father. Right. And that was when the freshman team had the passing league. And the, well, the whole high school had the, the passing league, the seven-on-seven stuff, which I missed. I went and played baseball in Wyoming, hung out all summer with my dad. I came back, and they said, yeah, you're not the quarterback anymore. Well, Curtis Loveland's going to be the quarterback. It's <laughs> like, okay. And so I changed to cornerback and wide receiver who had 127 pounds to start my freshman season did curtis throw you some balls well i didn't really play very much on the freshman team i returned kicks and i played some db okay but i would have been a great quarterback 
So, I really have always believed that I would have been a great quarterback. I never had a chance to do that. So you have you have a strong arm. You had a strong arm. Did you have a good arm, like touch wise? Yeah. Great touch arm. Interesting. I went into a JV game as a sophomore. A quarterback, Curtis Loveland got hurt. I threw two touchdown passes, brought us back for a win in overtime. You did? Yeah. And so why didn't you get the start? We're in number 89. <laughs> the wide receiver was also the backup quarterback in 89? At that point, I had grown 40 pounds. I'd made the transition to tight end. And and was was Curtis any good? He was fine. So that was on the JV. What happened varsity? Well, then I went back and played the play tight end. Yeah, yeah, on varsity. That was my sophomore year. Yeah. On varsity? I didn't play on the varsity team until I was a senior. You didn't play on varsity as a junior? No. You played JV as a junior? I was really good, though. I bet you were. Was that an unusual thing to keep juniors on the junior varsity? No. God, that's... Or yes. Yeah, yeah I mean... We had look. It was the high school football in Utah in nineteen ninety seven and nineteen ninety eight. I understand this, but you were there was a there was a tight end, Jason Stevens, and there was a defensive end, Jake Smith. Still, two of my favorite people in the world went fishing with them in Riverton, Wyoming, this summer. They both got Division one scholarships to Utah State. With two Division one players at the position I played. God forbid I play another spot on the field. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, I mean, you were a an All-American wrestler. You were one of the highest recruited wrestlers in America. And you're telling me that they had you on the JV football team as a junior? They couldn't find a position for you on the varsity as a junior? As strong as you were? No. I had a JV game with 17 receptions and seven sacks. You have told me about that. I just didn't realize it was as a junior. Yeah. 17, so, 17 receptions and seven sacks uh-huh. in a game. That's a pretty good game. It's, we went back and watched it one day. I had no idea. You didn't count receptions and stats in a JV game anyways. But we went back 10 years later and watched it. My mom had filmed it from the stands. Watched someone dominate a game, buddy. What what number were you wearing, 89? I think I changed to 99 at that point. Okay. My senior year, I wore 99. And the two D1 guys at your position were gone then. Because if they not, may, maybe they would have kept you on the JV as a senior. I was going to alternate plays, alternate series on offense as a tight end my senior year with Tory Holt. With who? <laughs> with who? Tory Holt. Tory Holt went to your high school? No, it wasn't Tory Holt. It was Tory. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't okay. remember his last name. Okay. No, no, not the. No, Tory Holt was in the NFL at the he's time the, I was in high school. He's in the Hall of Fame. Tory, can't remember Tory's last name. Or he's, he I was, scored a touch. I scored a touchdown in Bear River, Utah, on my first on the first series. Got a seam ball, broke two tackles, took it fifty yards, came off, and said, "I'm not coming out." <laughs> <laughs> Didn't after that. Tory Holt's not in the Hall of Fame. He's on the Hall of Fame final list for this year. Though. He's a Hall of Famer. So, uh, anyways, all back to that. I always thought I should have been a quarterback. I still do. Okay. I wish I could go back and do I If I could go back and do it again, I'd go back and tell him I'm only playing quarterback. So, back to the Tampa game in January of 2006. That which... was the Seattle game that I was going to throw past. Oh, I thought you and said it was... they called timeout. Yeah. And we came back to the huddle, and Joe changed the play. We never called it. It was off the old college screen. 
You, do you know that Clinton Portis threw a pass in that game? I do. He, it was incomplete, but he threw a pass. You oh. guys, you know, oh, I want to I want to come back to this in one Clinton second. Clinton Portis threw a touchdown pass to me three weeks earlier against the Giants at FedEx Field. I do remember that. And that you guys ended the season um, with the Giants uh, at FedEx needing to win the game to get into the postseason. And then you had Philadelphia on New Year's Day, which was the following week, to win. Uh, that was the Sean Taylor fumble return game that clinched um, the playoff spot and clinched what was a five-game five game win streak right to end that season. Um, so the, I want to come back to the, the, the play call in a moment at Seattle. Um, you know, Joe, and I've mentioned this many times over the years, one of the things I loved about Joe, and sometimes I would put it in the context of the Marty Schottenheimer-George Allen comparison that I've made, that both of those guys to me are Hall of Fame, all-time great coaches, but they really, really got conservative. They, they were conservative anyway, but they really got conservative at the worst possible times, which is probably why their postseason records weren't that good. Joe, who wasn't necessarily a massive risk-taker in the regular season, became a huge risk-taker with in in his team's biggest games in the postseason. If you go back to, you know, the NFC Championship game against the 49ers in January of 1984 following the 83 season, they try, you know, on a kickoff return, a throwback to Daryl Green. Rigo threw a pass in that game. Um, Brian Mitchell had a fake punt in a playoff game against the uh, the Vikings. Gibbs, Gibbs went for it. In the biggest games, Gibbs pulled out all the stops and went for it. It's one of the reasons I think he was so successful in the postseason, especially on the road, where I think he was like, basically like, fuck it. We, 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 we need to do something special here today. We're going for the win. We're not, we're not playing not to lose. We're playing to win. And in that particular Tampa game, um, I just went back and looked at it. Obviously, that was a dreadful game offensively. Uh, the total amount of yards for Washington was 120. Mark Brunel was 7 of 15 for 41 yards passing. 41 yards. Chris Sims, however, threw three interceptions, and Cadillac Williams lost a fumble. And that was the difference. Remember, Sean got thrown out of that game for spitting in Pittman's um, yeah. face. Um, but but Portis and then everyone said he didn't spit, but you caught it on TV. Yeah, <laughs> Portis threw a pass in that game too, incomplete. So Portis tried a halfback pass at Tampa. It didn't matter. You guys won the game seventeen ten. And then the following week, Portis also tried a halfback pass, incomplete. But you're telling me that in that game, and then there was a timeout that ruined it. How was it going to work? How were you going to throw the pass? Was it going to be a, a backwards pass from Brunel, and then you were going to throw it like as a wide receiver? Yeah, I was split out to the. I was split out to the in a widened bunch set as a wide receiver, and there was going to be, I think, one dude in front of me, if not two, and then I was going to throw the pass. Who were you going to throw it to? I don't even remember the the route comment. I think it was Thrash. Hmm. I can't even remember who I was going to throw it to. Why didn't he ever I dial that up again? I, I don't know. How much did you probably practice? Carried over, probably would have carried over to the next week two or three times. And how did it work in practice? Great. Were, who discovered that you had a, a good enough arm to try this? It was probably Joe. That was the year that Brian Kozlowski and I really became very close. 
and we would sprint down to the practice field every day. The second the meeting ended, we would drag all our stuff out of our lockers as fast as we could. And you're always, you, you get 40 minutes, 35, 40, 50 minutes before practice actually starts from the time the meeting ends. We'd be out there in two minutes with all our stuff, playing pump, passing, kick, kicking field goals, playing a baseball game. We had all kinds of games. A great arm. Joe would watch us from his office. You guys are crazy. <laughs> but did he ever, did he say to you at some point, Hey, you got a pretty good arm. I don't remember. You really don't? No. It just ended up in in uh, on the a, a play that ended up in the playbook, and then you started to practice it before that playoff game? Or did you practice it during the regular That's season? exactly right. Okay. No, that game, that week. Yeah. I, I'd never done it before. Crazy. Crazy. Um, I can't. It was in the third quarter. It was in a critical spot in the game. I think it was we were down something like seventeen ten, and if I remember right, I'm trying to find a if I saw the exact situation, I'm trying to find a play by play. I've got the play by play right here. Like, I think it's third quarter. Find a timeout called randomly in the late second or third quarter. If the, if it was seventeen to ten, hold on here for a second. I can't remember the exact score. And was it? What what, what, what are you on for this? What what, what pro football, side are you on? Pro football reference. Um, Washington's for, was it a Washington timeout or a Seattle timeout? Do you remember? I think it was a Seattle timeout. Okay. Let me, let me go see in the third quarter. Okay. Here it is. Here it is. I, I bet you this is it. Um, third quarter, Mark Brunel had just completed a pass to Robert Royal for a first down and it was first and 10 at the Seattle 44 yard line. Okay. Uh, and Seattle called the timeout, and then the play coming out was yep. a Brunel pass to Clinton Portis for nine yards. That would have been it. <laughs> um, let's see what the score was. It, just make sure there wasn't another timeout. It might have been before a third down that we didn't convert, though. Uh, Seattle only called one timeout one. in the second half, it would appear. And that was the spot. Um, I don't think Seattle called another. I mean, the odds that... They would have called it before my one play. It's just so bad. Yeah, because the only other three timeouts called in the second half were Washington timeouts on defense to try to get the ball back, uh, except with like 50 seconds to go. With 50 seconds to go, you guys were down 20 to 13. Remember, there was a big missed field goal um, in that game, um, right? Uh, there was a huge missed field goal. Yeah, it was 20 to um, – it was 17 to 13. Hold on for a second. The pro football reference play-by-play is harder than some of the others. No, I understand. Um, it was 17 to 10, and um, John Hall missed a pretty short field goal that would have made it 17 to 13. Uh, and then the, Seattle ended up taking a 20 to 10 lead, and then you guys used your timeouts at the at very end. So, yeah, it would have been the Seattle timeout in the third quarter with the score. Um, the score at that point, Cooley, was 14 to 3, Seattle. It was 14 to 3. But you guys were moving into their territory when it happened. Mm-hmm. I love those stories. I don't know why. It came after like a penalty, too. Um, did it? Uh, yeah, you're right. Mark Brunel. <laughs> it was first and ten at the Seattle 44. Brunel got sacked, but there was a defensive offsides, 
And so then it was first and five, and Brunel threw to Robert Royal for a first down. And then the Seahawks called. But that was but that was a penalty on like Jimmy Ferris. Okay, now you're looking at the same thing I'm looking at. Yeah. No, Jimmy was. I'm not looking at it because you, I have I have this stupid p- football database thing up that I just see the stats. Yeah. So I'm just trying to recall. Like as you tell me the situation, I remember the deal. Yeah. Well, this isn't is, it funny how some guys remember? Like there are certain guys that remember every play of the game. Yeah. I got to have you hold my hand through it. Um, yeah. Uh, I also, here's the other thing I truly remember. I remember sitting on the plane on the ride home, the long flight from Seattle and go, we'll, this will be easy. We'll do this again. We'll be there next year. Yeah. Right. Never thinking how hard it was going to be to get to that point in the playoffs again. And in hindsight, how hot we were in the kind of run we were on to lose that football game. Well, I I'm, truly think we were a better team than Seattle that year. We should have scored more points that week. Yeah, we had a you had, we, had, look, we had eleven first downs. Oh, it was it was pathetic. Eleven. You had Taylor Jacobs out there who sucked. He was terrible, wasn't he? He wasn't good. <laughs> Run routes. <laughs> he was he was not good. He was a second round pick. Um, it was um. Who was the receiver that that was hurt and out, and that's why Taylor Jacobs? David. David Patton. Patton. Yeah, Patton. Right. Once you know, it's funny when he got hurt. That's when the offense started to struggle, right? I think so. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway. Um, anyway. All right. Well, that you know, fifteen years it's been since Washington won a playoff game. It was against Tampa in Tampa. You were on that team, seventeen ten. Um, believe it or not, and I had somebody on from Tampa uh, this morning on the radio show. I didn't realize this. It's been eighteen years since Tampa Bay won a won a playoff game, and it was the Super Bowl over the Raiders. They have not won a playoff game since then. That's unheard of. Actually, that. Yeah. They, how long's it been since like even like Cleveland hasn't been in the playoffs for how many years? Right. It, it's like Washington and Detroit and Cleveland, you know, are like the teams with the least amount of playoff wins over the last twenty five years or something like that. I may be forgetting another team. What? Whatever. Um, I, I had. Bef- I'm going to get to this question. We obviously got sidetracked. Um, I'm going to get to this question uh, that I have for you, and I'm also going to give you um, a comparison of what Washington is right now. And I think you might like the comparison. We'll do that right after this word from one of our sponsors. Cooley's Film Breakdown coming up, I promise you. All right, two things. Number one, my question for you is this. Going into the game on Saturday night, is there anything that you're confident in? I think it's a weird game in that you got a quarterback issue, you've got, you know, Brady and the Buccaneers on a, you know, at least a perceived role. You're a big underdog. Is there anything positive? Positive. I guess it could be negative too. Is there anything that you're absolutely sure of uh, about this game? This seems crazy to say this because I was thinking about it as I was doing the film breakdown, but I'm sure of the fact that they'll stop the run and they should get after Tom Brady on the back end of things. 
I, I don't see Tampa running it against Washington. I think Washington's going to be able to stay in a four down front and Payne and Allen and everybody up front's going to be able to get after the run. They'll stop Ronald Jones. And I think I'm sure that they'll get after Tom Brady. It's just, can they get after him quick enough with interior pressure that he doesn't get the ball down the field early? I'm not sure of how the back end will play out. I'm not sure with those receivers, how it will play out. So the question is, how does Del Rio play him in the back end? Do you play him tight? Do you press him? Do you try to stay with him? Does Brady get the ball out of his hands quick? Can you start to put pressure in Brady's face? Can you start to make him work a little bit harder than he has to work? But I'm pretty sure that they limit Tampa Bay and make them fairly one-dimensional. Okay. Um, my answer to the same question is I am absolutely confident that Washington is going to keep this game competitive. And the reason I say this is the, the, the same reason I gave you when they hired Rivera and I said I like the hire. Because as a football fan, um, as a football better over the years, in watching Rivera's teams in big games in the postseason, they always seemed to overachieve. They always were tough, and they were always a tough out even when they lost. He's 3-4 and four as a playoff coach. And I'm going to give you some of these games because I remember them very specifically. The first year that they got to the playoffs with Cam Newton, they lost to the 49ers as a, as a division champion at home, 23-10. to That was a, a 49er team with Kaepernick, you know, in the, uh, in the year after 2012. They got back to the, you know, NFC Championship game that year. They still had they – had, they had some veteran players, you know, Vernon Davis, Anquan Bolden, the whole thing. Um, but it was, it was a tight game. I, by the way, I had the wrong side in that game. I was on Carolina plus the one. They were the division champion playing at home, and they were an underdog to the 49ers. And I remember having Carolina, and it was a, it was a very tight game until late. Like it was, I don't know, ten ten at halftime, something like that. Um, that was their first playoff game. The next year, when they got to the postseason as a seven eight and one team, all right, which is I think a huge influencer on this season, where Rivera recognized in a bad division they could make a run and, and get in. They beat the Cardinals. Now they beat the Cardinals without Carson Palmer, Ryan Lindley was the quarterback that day, and they destroyed them as a 7-8-1 and wildcard team, or division winner, excuse me, playing a home game um, against an 11-5 and but banged-up Cardinals team, and they, they just destroyed them. They completely shut them down. And then in the next game, Cooley, they went to Seattle. Seattle would eventually be in the Super Bowl that year, losing to the Patriots in that Malcolm Butler interception game. That game was a war through three quarters. Carolina was so tough against a much better team. They were the inferior team. And I remember I lost this wager. I had I had Carolina like plus 10, plus 11, something like that. And this game was like 14 to 10 with, with, with Carolina driving in the fourth quarter. And then it got away from them. Um, and it got away from them, and they ended up losing like 31-17, I think was the final. But for three quarters, they were right there, right there. Um, 
The next year was the year they went to the Super Bowl. You know, they beat the uh, they beat the the Seahawks, remember, and then they crushed the Cardinals in the NFC Championship game, forty nine to fifteen, and then they lost to Denver in the Super Bowl. The last playoff game with Ron Rivera, they played in the Superdome against the Saints, who were really really good that year as a wild card team in the first round. That was the year that the Saints lost on the the Stephon Diggs hail mary from. Uh, right. from Case Keenum the next week. But in that first-round game, I remember I was like, I'm betting the Panthers, not because of smell tests or anything. I'm just betting the Panthers. I know they are going to be tough, and they're going to have a chance to win this game. This is what Rivera's teams do. And I talked to him about this game because I had him on the radio show in the, during the summer, and I said, you know, I always felt like your teams were tough and disciplined and played well in the big games, and I remember your last playoff game, and we talked about that game for like a minute and a half. He remembered it very, very well. They were right there. They had the ball at the end of the game on the move to win the game down five. Um, by the way, it was an easy cover. I think there were a seven or a six-and-a-half-point underdog, something like that. And, and Cam Newton took a big sack at the worst possible time. There was like a dropped pass that would have put the ball down at like the New Orleans seven-yard line. And on the next play, Newton took a big sack and they ended up losing by five. But they no one gave them a chance of being in that game. Nobody gave them a chance of being in that game. And they were right there. I am confident that they're going to be really tough and disciplined and physical and you know part of that is because of what they have on defense and that it's not going to be a blowout I don't know if they cover the eight you know maybe it's uh, like some of their the games they were in where you know at the end of three quarters it's 17 13 and they're legitimately in it and Brady's been sacked three times already and maybe you know uh, they get two field goals and win the game twenty three thirteen or twenty seven to thirteen, but it's going to be, it's not going to be a one sided beatdown. I'm confident about that. I really am. This is who Rivera's been in big games um, with a good defense, with a good defensive football team. I, I think that they're going to be uh, in this game. I, I don't know that they win it. I don't even know if they cover it. But I think that there's going to be a sense as we're watching this game that, wow, they came to play. They did not shrink from the occasion. They're here. They're here to win it. And you're, you're going to feel at some moment in the game, you know, in the second half, that they've got a chance to win it. That's what I'm confident in. I think that fits into – I think, you know, what I'm talking about is they make it really hard for Tampa on offense. Yeah. That, that'll probably I do. I don't it. think Tampa can stay balanced. I, I just think if Washington's offense can't muster anything, can't get two or three of those drives, can't start putting things together against a very good defense, then it just might be too much as you get into the fourth quarter. I also think and that that'd be my concern with where they wouldn't cover. They're going to be in this game. I think so too. But yeah, the concern with not covering would just be that. You just don't have it on offense. I don't know. I talked about it yesterday with the film breakdown stuff. I do think that there's weapons. I think that there's things that they can get done. There's things that they can do. There's some more balance that they can create. I bet you they'll dial dial up some trick play too. Riverboat Ron's going to dial up something in a playoff game. We'll see. I hope he, it's. It, I hope it doesn't rely on Stephen Sims. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quickly, uh, before you start your film breakdown, uh, 
I think that this team, and I'm not saying it's going to continue this way, but this team right now is the Houston Texans under Bill O'Brien. Did I say this to you yesterday or not? No. It's the team that, you know, qualified for the postseason, winning their division. You know, Bill O'Brien did it four times. He won four division titles in the AFC South with nine and seven records and bad quarterbacks until he finally got to Sean Watson. Um, and th- those first couple of years, remember, it was like Tom Savage, and I forget who else was was playing quarterback. Just, you know, horrible quarterbacking situations, but a really hard-nosed, tough defense and they actually won a playoff game um, and ended up, you know, uh, losing, uh, you know, a couple as well. I think the Houston Texans comp under Bill, Bill O'Brien in those first few years, that's what this team is on Saturday night. They are a, a limited team offensively without really a, an answer quarterback, um, but a pretty tough defense. I'm not saying they have J.J. Watt on their team, but they may have a young J.J. Watt on their team. Um, so anyway, uh, I just wanted to throw out that comparison to you. I think you're close. I think you're close. Yeah, I think it's really similar to the 2005 Washington team. To be honest with you. Um, a dominating defense and probably better players than Washington had in that year, in oh. the 05 year, with an offense who really, towards the end of the year, seems like it's running out of gas. Yeah. And Brunel was hurt too, wasn't he? He, he? he just seemed to run out of gas arm strength wise at the end of that year. I think so. All right. Uh, let's get to Cooley's film breakdown. We're going in depth, play by play. The Cooley film breakdown. Here's Cooley and Kevin. Three, two, one. The defensive film breakdown that Kevin just suggested. I ripped through pretty good. Quickly. We'll rip through it. Well, the only reason good. I say that is I, I think people are pumped up for the playoff game. And I'm pumped. I, I, I thought yesterday's film breakdown was one of your best, actually, of the year. But you get to Wednesday before a playoff game, and I think this is why we're putting the film breakdown sort of at the end of this show rather than more prominently featured. It's a, it's a, it's a product. It, it's. It's a producer's decision here. I think a lot of people that are listening are interested in the film breakdown, but I think they're also now gearing up for the next game. So that's why I said, you know, rip through it quickly if you can. Let's rock and roll. Okay. Start with Chase Young. The positives. It's Chase Young. (laughs) Look at the read option play. Oh, my God. Or the zone, sorry, the zone read play. No, read option's fine. It's not It's not an RPO, though. Yeah, whatever. Read option. RDO. I, I've always titled it RDO. Read option. Um, oh, my God, Kevin. The ability to get five yards into the backfield, as fast as he got into the backfield, because he gains ground so quickly with every step, allows him athletically to then make this decision where I think I can fake out the quarterback by looking like I'm going to tackle the back running down the line of scrimmage. But in hindsight, I know he's going to pull it because I have that football awareness to then go tackle the quarterback before he even takes another step. Come on. You should be ashamed to run zone read, Chase Young. You pay for that. Don't do that again. Tom Brady, I dare you. I'm coming after you, Tom. <laughs> no worries there. No, no worries there. 
Um, to see run action pass and then so naturally transition from his gap fit in the run game to a pass rush to end up getting a pressure and a touch of a quarterback, it's pretty incredible. Did it two or three times. Uh, really gifted on the edge to take on and avoid blocks, frontside zone stuff, to take on, post the tight end, skinny around the tackle, turn his body, twist his body, manipulate, be gaining ground upfield. He's so fast. He's so athletic. It's, it's crazy. Um, reaction and anticipation on the throwback screen that Collinsworth said was such great eyes by Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Okay. But watch Chase Young's reaction. Both Allen and Chase Young are like, yep, we know this is throwback screen. We'll go stand over there and wait for it. It's awesome. Um, rushes late in the game, a third and one rush on the first drive of the third quarter. They'd gotten to a third and one. He's running Hurts down. A third and seven rush. Oh, yeah. Great speed rush off of the offensive right tackle. Really, really good. Um, it's just fun to watch. The negatives, there's two or three times where, and this could potentially be that he's an inside player, but two or three he's not. They're running zone read at him, and he's just got these quicks that try to slip inside both the tight end and the tackle and penetrate upfield, and it's just really hard to do that. Like, you're running, they're double teaming with the tight end and defensive end, double teaming Chase Young to get up to the backer. The back's track is to get outside as soon as Chase Young goes inside, unless he's four yards up the field, which he's two and a half. The back's going to get outside. So it happened a couple times. A couple times he's taken risks. But, Kevin, I prefer he takes. Because if you're the tackle on tight end or you're that front side guy blocking him, you're going, I have no clue. The unpredictability here makes this really, really hard. And so if he is to stay outside, you're tentative to get out to him. And it's really, really tough. And then there was a big uh, Boston Scott run in the third quarter, the one where they really gashed him. Yeah. I don't think this is actually Chase Young, but both Chase Young and Bostic are playing the quarterback on the zone ring. So there's nobody hanging in the middle of the field for Scott. Yeah, I'm watching that play right now. So, I mean, Tim Settle gets Kendall Reyes. But – there's Bostic and Chase Young miscommunicate who's going to play that. Probably not going to be a problem this week with the quarterback. Yeah. Chase Young was an A, A minus in this game. He had five or six quarterback hurries, two or three quarterback hits. He didn't have any sacks. He didn't have any change game type of plays. But my gosh, Kev. I mean, you could, your worst case is he's a B plus, just enough not having massive impact plays. Montez Sweat, also really good in this game. The ability to play the quarterback for sweat. He has the ability athletically on the zone read stuff to play the quarterback, make sure he doesn't pull it and then tackle the back. You saw later in the game where he doesn't have the ability to do chase what chase young does, which is show that you're going to tackle the back and then bail back out to the quarterback. There's one where I think it was the, the, the hurts touchdown right. early in the game where he gets outside of sweat, not quite that freakish. But he's close. Third and two, the first drive of the game, the arm extension and control of Kelsey there is amazing. I mean, he's just he's awesome, man. Um, there's an upfield rush, and he's falling off for a tackle on a draw where he's four, five yards upfield, and then he's back across the face of the right tackle. It's great. Um, he had a big sack in this game that didn't count on a Holcomb yeah, hold. On the Holcomb hold, yeah. Um, really good play pressure, two plays with 20 seconds before the half push hurts back 20 yards. There's a sprint out play. Um, when they got down to goal to go in the third quarter where they ended up not getting it on fourth down, right. I think it was the second or third down play. They sprint, right? 
the tackle's trying to arc out and reach Sweat. He does a really good job with his footwork on his first two steps. Sweat fights through that, and he battles across the face of the tackle. Then the back tries to chip him, and then Sweat knocks the back back. Now he's chasing Hurts down to force a, <laughs> a throw away the sideline. You're like, who is this monster? Right. He's, he's a problem, man. Um, he's a problem. You know, the one zone read play missed Hurts is one of the negatives, but I thought Sweat was an A in this game. John Allen. Part of at least six tackles. And to me, you could look at this game and say, man, Allen's a guy that's got to be able to be more impactful as creating pressure from the inside and getting rid of blocks and stuff. I noted as I watched through most of the first half that I thought Allen never lost patience pushing the pocket. And even on end tackle stunts where he looped outside, he probably could have tried to swim move or tried to shed and throw and release. But he knew as soon as he gets out of his pass lane that Hertz is going to run. And so to try to keep Hertz in the pocket, Allen did such a good job all day. Now, Hertz got out, but none of it was because of John Allen. So I thought he was really patient and disciplined with his rush lanes while also bull rushing and creating pressure. Um, there's a front side zone play that Collinsworth pointed out in the game where he's taken on a double team. He actually slightly gets behind the backside of the double team and then battles across the guard's face and then back across the tackle's face and then back out and makes a tackle for no gain. And you're like, who's this monster? <laughs> it's in the second quarter. Right. Uh, we talk about the throwback screen. Great anticipation by Allen. Control over the line of scrimmage throughout this entire game in the run game is outstanding. His post, his extension of arms, his ability to see, shed, make tackles, really good. Go watch the first two or three run plays as they get down to the goal to go in the third quarter. And John Allen's just awesome right there. Allen was a B plus in this game. Don't you Drum think? He, don't you think he's a little bit underrated because of the attention that Sweat and Chase Young get in particular? That that he that he's unheralded. I that he's not totally given. Totally believe he's. Uh, totally believe it, and I think he's such a team player because you could sit here and say John Allen had eight sacks that last year. Well, let's go get another eight sacks, and why isn't he? Well. Last year, they asked the defensive ends or the outside linebackers to push the pocket, and they really allowed the interior guys to free up a little bit more. And also keep in mind, last year in that three forefront, there's three interior guys, so you're getting more one-on-one -on -one matchups a lot of those times. And so you're pushing the pocket from outside to let the guys rush on the inside. This year, you're asking Payne and Allen really to – just control and push the pocket from the inside to let the outside guys get there because that's the best way to get there right now. Well, the outside guys I think that's last the biggest year difference with sex a lot of the time. Well, they were sometimes, yeah. but even in third down situations, it's like, okay, we would rather have Kerrigan push the pocket and try to collapse the pocket without hard upfield speed rush because I don't think he can win. Just have him push the pocket and crash it down and then let a guy like Allen try to use and move some make some moves inside yeah. i think there's just a different way of looking at it and i think that's what they're doing and that's why he's got less sacks but he's a very good player very good player very good pass rusher very consistent very disciplined really having a i thought he struggled early in the year a couple weeks and after week seven i think he's been a b plus a minus player in every game okay drawn pain yeah God, I mean, his, his same as Allen. 
Like when he extends his arms, when he, like he, there was a couple times where he took Travis Kelsey, extended both his arms, held him, looked, found the ball carrier, got rid of Travis Kelsey or um, Jason. Jason Kelsey. Yeah. And then he's in on the tackle and you're like, that's a Pro Bowl center. That's a really good player that he's doing that to. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I love him. I mean, good initial steps on a run action pass. Oh, this was one of the negatives. Sorry, I'll get to that in a second. Um, the ability to play some of the zone read for him, like, again, extend Kelsey, play the run, and then get back into the quarterback. You're like, oh, my gosh, it's crazy. Chasing down Hurts outside of the pocket. Once Hurts gets outside of Payne, but Payne's got some speed, man. The one where he's diving, he's not that far away. And there's another one on the sprint out where, or a rollout where he is forcing a bad throw. I, I just, he's big time inside. You know, a couple of the negatives. I wrote, this was early in the game. It looked like they were going to have a run play, a zone run play, and then they boot. Payne wins on the zone. I'm going to stop myself and slow down. They do run a zone run play. Hertz shows boot action. He does not have the ball. It's handed off. Payne wins on the run and then bails back to play Hertz on the boot. But Jeff sweats there to take care of the boot. <laughs> Jeff would so be. For those I'm going, missed... why are you, what are you seeing to think that you need to go back that way? Cooley knows he it's Montez. It. I know it's Montez. He guesses a couple times with some of the things in the run plays. But I thought Deron Payne was really, I thought he was really good in this game. I wanted to stop right there and just mention this. To anybody that, takes pro football focus grades really seriously. I graded Deron Payne an A minus. On pro football focus, he played 35 plays. He was graded at a 49.6. They start their grading system. If you played one play and didn't have an up or down, you would be a 60. A 60 is essentially a C for them. A 49.6 means he had more negative plays than positive plays in this game. Yeah. What, what are they missing? Does he have to swallow somebody up two yards beyond the line of scrimmage to have a positive play? I think so. Like, as, as a one-gap D lineman, I, I haven't seen very many people play it better than a lot of the time he did in Philly this week. How many snaps did they have for him? Oh, excuse me. 59 plays. 59 yeah, he, snaps. Yeah, he had 59 snaps. Out, out of 68. 68. Yeah. Um, I just don't get it. He didn't have a bunch of tackles. He didn't have any sacks. But he was such an impact in this game. Anyway, yeah. there's going to be two other players that I'm going to mention in this film breakdown. Off of this, I like to use this because they do a really good job with plays, with with really data in general across the board. Right, but but it, I see the grades. I don't get it. Well, I, just I think it, I think it has to do with what you've said before. There is maybe a better understanding now than there used to be, but they're they're not really sure of what the responsibilities of the player is. 
That's the problem with football, with you know, 22 players out on the field at the same time. You're not really sure what that defensive tackle's responsibilities were on the play that was called. Yeah. So it's not that hard to figure out what their gap is, though. I, I think I think in part, here's why I think he got downgraded. I think that they were asking him to push the pocket from inside without getting with the hit without him being the penetrating guy so he more times than not ended up being the guy that got doubled and they asked him to try to play hurts not as truly a spy but he was the guy to fall back into any of those a gap scrambles and there were three or four of them i just don't think that's the answer to hurts when you have your D tackle in pain, who's getting doubled to try to fight either way as hurts juking and jiving to, to then get in on that tackle in the backfield. Right. I didn't think the three or four times where I saw hurts escape where pain would have been the guy to make the tackle. I don't know who's making that tackle. Aaron Donald. I just don't know who's going to make that play. Right. I mean, you so had I didn't him really as, downgrade. You had him as an a minus and they had him as a D. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, I would say 49.6 is D. Yeah. What do you think the coaches thought about Payne's performance? Really good. So what do you think they thought when they saw the pro football fo- focus? I don't grade? think they looked at it. What do I they don't look- think they give a crap. Yeah. They have people that put all these stats together anyways. Well, so why are they under contract with pro football focus? What's the benefit? Well, pro football focus does this for every team, every player, everyone in the league. I know that. Pro football focus, Kev has if you were to go into your ipad which is now through pro football focus it filters every single thing pass complete where pass distance quarterback drop depth they try to guess at coverage they're not very good at figuring out exactly what coverage the defenses are playing you know run this way run here there's 90 filters to every play so you can filter it a billion different ways the snap of a finger. There's a huge, they, without how you don't have to have anybody do that. They don't have to pay them that much to do that. Pay someone, let's say you pay them 250 grand for the year. I think that's what pro football focus somewhere around that per team, depending on what they do. No more than a million to give you all the analytics right. of what every player's doing. It's worth it. I then no one cares. What, no, I mean, there might be some front office people that look at the grades, but no one that's actually scouting a team cares what they graded a player. They just don't. Um, did you uh, did you do Settle or Kerrigan? Yeah, I actually did. I thought Settle played much better in this game. Now, he got smoked on that one run that we talked about, but there was a couple times, like there's a front side zone play where he's got a great, awesome left-hand post pushing the left guard back four steps, forces a cutback way premature, Jonathan Allen's there to make a tackle for no gain. Like Settle had four or five good plays. I actually thought Settle was a B in this game. He was better. What about Kerrigan? Settle, uh, Kerrigan only played 16 plays. One, There was one in particular where Sudfeld came in and faked a little handoff, and then it was a boot right, which really wasn't good boot action. Kerrigan pushed him back in the backfield. I thought Kerrigan was a C in this game. You know what I noticed, um, and I think I mentioned this Monday to you uh, when we were doing the game recap, is that on a couple of the big Hurts plays with his legs, uh, the touchdown runs, yeah. um, Casey Tuhill was out there. Like, they they had that number, I think he's number 95. 95. 
Um, and he's been. I, I don't. I don't know what was his snap total here. Hold on. Two. Um, six. Two. Six snaps. He had six. Did snaps. he play six? Yeah. And Smith Williams had seven. And but I noticed on a, that on a couple of the bigger uh, runs by Hertz. Two Hill was out there. Why is well, he out the, there? The second touchdown. I don't know why he's out there in the doubt because it's eight plays into a series and one of your defensive ends is tired. Okay. The second touchdown run where he went up the middle. Yeah. Two Hill was the defensive right defensive end. Right. And he was on an inside stunt with, I think, John Allen. Okay. So Allen's stunting outside over the left tackle. Two Hill's coming inside and he gets pinned outside the guard instead of really pushing that guard back into the quarterback's lap. So the guard pins him to the outside and Hertz goes right up the middle inside of him, slips out, breaks left, touchdown. Yeah, I see. I'm watching that right now. Yeah. So I think Tuhill really wasn't very good on that end tackle, tackle start right there. By the way, on that play, Tuhill and Kerrigan were your defensive ends, sweating and Young were off the field. Sure. Well, that's two drives in a row where – they scored were there what eight nine play drives right it's probably why yeah all right uh gotta get these guys running some gassers kevin yeah we got we got to get them in shape chase young 62 plays not enough apparently apparently not he's got to get 68 all right linebackers right after this word from one of our sponsors Linebackers really just going to be Bostic and Cole Holcomb okay. this week. Did anyone else even really play? The Kaliki Hudson, Kaliki Hudson played maybe one play. Don't think anybody else played. five snaps for Hudson, but it was just it was Holcomb and Bostic. They played a lot of Moreau. You know, they played a lot of Moreau and Moreland. They played a lot of nickel. Yeah, the Eagles went a lot more eleven personnel. Yeah, Bostic. What I thought he did well when Hertz flushed. To really flush, he did a good job pressing him. And instead of really waiting and playing soft, I think they had him a lot of times. They played some man-to-man stuff, and they had him as the the hole player or the lurker or the robber, rover, whatever you want to call that. I think he did a good job immediately attacking downhill. It hurts. The fourth down and four where the balls should have been caught or should have been thrown better. Bostic did a really good job forcing that throw out early. Earlier in that, a couple other plays early in that drive, Hurts a scramble into his right. Bostic immediately has got speed to force him and make a throw on the sideline, make a decision. Did a good job with that. Now he missed him a couple times, especially when Hurts scrambled early. Like there was a third and two in the third quarter where he's definitely just sitting there as a spy, and he's just not quick enough to diagnose that it's quarterback draw. So there were a couple of misses there, too. I think he's 50-50 in the run game, which is a much higher percentage than he was early in the season. There are times where I think he's got too much lateral and not enough block avoid, gets blocked, gets moved. But there are times where he's a bit more downhill and more impactful. Um, missed three tackles in this ball game. Missed one on a screen, on, the, on a college screen out in the third quarter where you're like, you had him, man. Right. Got him. He was better in some of the zone match stuff. Bostic was a dead flat C. Okay. Cole Holcomb. Yep. Here's your next interesting pro football focus grade, and I know the reason for this, but let's go to the positives of Holcomb. Uh, early in the game, great carry vertical with the back on an outside route that they threw to him. No problem running with the back down the field. Really good eyes as uh, inside. We just talked about that robber lurker player. The 
camera curl interception. Right. Really good job by Holcomb, who ends up putting a hit on Ertz right there. Good instincts, good vision, good eyes. I think Holcomb's excellent at what I have labeled sort and shed. The dude can find the ball carrier and get to him. And so he's able to sort out some of these run things, and then he's able to get rid of offensive linemen, shed, get rid of them. Uh, I love the zone read play where he just picks up Hertz, tries to keep him from getting the first down, just kind of holds him by the waist, like pulling him backwards. I thought that was hilarious. A um, couple plays where he out in the flat to the back, making a tackle immediately. A couple negatives from Holcomb. Uh, the personal foul early in the game. Yeah. That's a dude. If you're just watching tape, that's a heck of a job avoiding an offensive lineman and instinctually finding hurts and going to make a play. He is coming off of just barely getting rid of the offensive tackle to try to make a diving play on an incredibly mobile quarterback. He didn't hit him that hard in the head either. They're going to call it. Am I going to, am I going to downgrade that? Are you talking about? Are you talking about his unnecessary roughness? Yeah. Oh, you you, you said his um, holding call. So, oh, I saw. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I said well, the, the the penalties are what down. Yeah. But that first penalty. Am I going to downgrade that? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I don't know how to. I'm, I don't have it in me to do that. Yeah, that, I did. Here's what I did right though. You you can't downgrade him for that. You just can't. That's that's not what Bostic did to Dalton. Okay. Um, no, th- th- this is he's a, he's rendered himself a runner, and although he's sliding, he is the running back I at know. that point. Of course, he is. It, it look, is so it's got to be so hard to make that decision. We've seen it flagged all year. I'm not surprised it got flagged, but I would never, in grading Holcomb, downgrade him for this play. It's just one of those things. Like we should go outside, me and you. We should have ten times, and me sliding out of out of the ten times, one of us is going to slide five of those times, and see how hard it is to make the decision when you're when you're you're not going to slide. But not me or you. Like we need a dude that's faster than us. I'm not talking about Hertz because he's way faster than us. I just need. I mean, a guy that's like percentage faster than us that uh, that Hertz might be than Holcomb. Right, Tommy. <laughs> um Tommy's going out for the count on number one. You know up or down. I, I think this is just one of the real difficult things in the game right now as they've tried to legislate out the big hits. You know, whether you're a DB on a receiver or whether you're a linebacker or a DB coming up to hit a a sliding quarterback, it's really, really hard. The thing that you can't do, you cannot lead with the crown of your helmet. To me, the the, the, the hard decision of whether or not to make the tackle or not make the tackle is the complex part of it. The thing that you've got to learn to do is not lead with the crown of your helmet. You almost have to. Which means you cannot leave your feet. Which which also, almost, really, you have to turn your body body and you've got to lift your head way up into the air you know to make sure and put it to the side um and th- that's where uh, you know I-, I think if if you see more of that you're still going to get flagged for hitting a sliding quarterback look I-, I we talked about this earlier in the year you know you've already seen Mahomes Russell Wilson does it where they're faking like they're going to slide you know to at that point I think if you fake a slide, and even if you're near the sideline and you get hit hard inbounds, you cannot flag that. If a quarterback is going to try to fake like he's slowing down to go into a slide or run out of bounds and then you know turns it upfield, 
or doesn't slide, that quarterback is now you know treated like he's he's a running back. He, he I mean, it's no longer a quarterback anymore. And now you can't lead with the crown of your helmet, but you can hit that dude even if he's going into a slide at that point. You can't have a fake slide and a real slide on a real play. You can't have a fake going out of bounds and a real going out of bounds on the same play. You can't. It can't be refereed the same way. No. And Hurts is going to be one of those guys. It's going to be so hard because even if you're sitting there flattened like square on your toes, good stance, you're going to tackle, which means you you need momentum going forward. Unless you're just going to – anytime a quarterback has it, you just have to absorb and go backwards. As soon as he starts to slide, the natural eye feel – would be that he's going down, so you go down with him, right? Which would take your head downwards. Like this, is what I wrote down though. There's a real idea to have a running quarterback who can really sl- slide and throw his head back, almost like Melo Tremble did on any contact. <laughs> like, head back, slide, flop down. It's worth a personal foul a game to to hit him. It, no, it. it oh, if you have that it's, player. If you have the it's player, almost it's worth a guaranteed yards personal foul in every single yeah. game. So. How would you coach it defensively? I think it depends on the situation, okay? If it's a third down and I have to limit him, I'm taking the foul. I'm just going to take it. I'm going to say we have to try to get him down. If it's a first or second down, I'm just going to absorb contact. I w- I'm going to let him run into me. I'm going to absorb contact, and I'm going to just flop. I don't know how else to do it. I'll tell you what. In a in a game against a really good quarterback, if he's going to flirt with that coming up, you know, in the middle of the field, I'm going to hit him. Not with the crown of the helmet, but I'm going to coach. You are going to hit that guy as unless he goes into the slide really early. But if it's bang bang, I don't want you backing off at the last second. I want you laying the wood to him. Okay, period. We'll take the 15 yards once. Maybe we knock him out of the game. But more importantly, he's going to be thinking about getting down a lot earlier. I don't want the Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, you know, fooling around with the rules, using them to their benefit, coming up the field and going into a slide at the very last second to try to draw a 15-yard penalty. Because if that happens, they're going to take the hit. Not, not. Are you paying my? Are you paying my fine? Yes. I'm paying your fine. Okay. I'm pulling a Greg Williams. Well, I'm not saying that you have to suggest we're trying to hurt a player. I didn't say, st- but you're all, but you're, oh, you're what you, but I like your, your I, suggestion. I want to intimidate. I want this. to intimidate. I want, I, I definitely want. Yes. Uh, don't do it again. I want some sort of um, feeling of, uh, I, I want it, I, I want to, it deterred. I, I want the defend. I want the quarterback to think twice the next time he comes in. I want him getting down a lot earlier. Slide earlier. You're going to have to slide much earlier because if you fool around with trying to get a couple of extra yards and trying to draw the 15 yarder, I'm going to give up the 15. But you're going to take a massive shot. It's going to be. It's going to be a. Yeah. It's going to be a clean shot. You know, it's not going to be crown of my helmet. Um, but you are going to take a big shot. Let's see him do it again after that. You know, there are certain quarterbacks you know that are, you know, are going to get down. They're not going to fool around with it. You know, we don't have to worry about Brady. 
You do have to worry about Rodgers if you get to that second weekend. (laughs) We got him in the second weekend. But, you know, Kirk Cousins, you don't have to worry about if he takes off. He's going to slide. He's going to slide early. In fact, if it's third and six, he's going to slide at four yards and say, can we go for it on fourth down? So (laughs) I I just don't want – I just don't want the the, the 15-yard penalty to, to come without some sort of message sent. That would be that. That would be the way I'd coach it. Yeah, I I, do, I completely understand the way you'd coach it. I'm just, it's just not easy to send a message to Jalen Hurts to just say like, guys, we're gonna get a clean hit on him. It's not that easy. I know it. I know it isn't. He's really slick. Yeah, he's he is. He's really elusive. Right. So you can't just say, go blow him up. That'll work. Because then you're you're gonna miss. I can't. This is the part of football that you and I have had so many conversations about this over the years. I I love football. I love it. But part of why I've always loved it is I love the physicality of football. I love the violence of football. I love great defenses. I love big hits. And they've legislated that stuff, and they've attempted to legislate that stuff out of the game. And now, to your point, offenses are using these rules – to their advantage and they're they're literally you know getting one to two of these calls a game sometimes and baiting defenses into it so i'm i'm not i'm not taking 30 yards worth of penalties in the game without laying a big time hit and i know it's harder to do on a guy like hurts but the first one uh, it's not going to be dirty it's not going to be with the crown of the helmet but this guy's going to feel it even if he goes into a slide early He's going to feel it. And you're not talking about little kids here. We're talking about NFL players. All right. Uh, Holcomb. So here's the thing. with Holcomb, then he has the holding penalty, yeah. which I, is holding. It is holding. And, I, good. I'm glad you admitted he that. He loses late. You told, me, you told me the other day you didn't like the call. I said I thought on he On the television him. copy, he to, me, to me on the television copy, it looked like he let go at five yards. It was probably seven. Okay. But keep in mind, he loses late. Mm-hmm. You go watch it again. They're by him. Ertz ends up by him. Mm-hmm. Holding didn't really help him here. So he's got two penalties in this ballgame. Yeah. Holcomb does. I had him without penalties at a B plus. You look at this pro football focus thing. They graded Holcomb at a 41.1. Is that an F? I think that's still in the D range. Uh-huh. Well, they I uh, think they obviously emphasized and put great weight on the two penalties. On the penalties. He had six tackles. He had zero missed tackles. He was really consistent as a tackler. He was good in coverage. He was good at the line of scrimmage. He's not. He's a B plus. He's a B. He's a B. Okay. DBs. Okay. A couple things with the DBs, yeah. and we'll get you on out of here so you can go do your things. You've got things to do, too. i got things to do. Um, Kendall Fuller, a couple of plays. One, there was a Jalen Rager play early in the game that ended up incomplete. Right. Down the field. Yeah. Bad ball. For the quarterback that throws great ball. Accurate. This is a touchdown if he throws a good ball. They run a keeper. The keeper game where Hertz goes out to the right, takes handoff left, goes out to the right. Rager runs a corner post. 
So he goes vertical, then takes a few steps to the corner, and then post. It's a good job based on the leverage by rates uh, by Rager running this route. He's open. Fuller takes the bait. So does Reeves, the single high safety. Reeves turns and starts to run to the corner. Yeah. Rager on a good ball is walking into the end zone for a sixer. <laughs> Six. no, no question. Walking in. It's a bad ball. Fuller ends up getting back into it. It still probably should have been caught, but way underthrown ball. He is falling for a double move in every single game. Yeah, you've said that before. He is going to get attacked with double moves by Tampa Bay. They're going to run double moves on him. He cannot fall for it. You know, gave up a few receptions, one from off coverage where it's a pretty easy reception. Had a dumb DPI. He's third and 10 against Ortega Whiteside or whoever it is out there. It is Ortega Whiteside. Ortega Whiteside. And you're like, well, what are we doing here? We can't cover Ortega Whiteside? I think Ortega Whiteside's actually t- talented. Yeah, I do too. He actually pretty good inside too on a couple plays but look and even to the extent it is it's a 50 50 call it is dpi but 50 50 that it gets called i totally agree with you on that i think it was really close it's a shame it's not the the worst it's not not the worst of all time like he got a little too handsy right at the last second yeah the ball probably would have been caught not in not not in bounds do you think Mm, yes i think so well he did catch it he just caught it out of bounds but you think the, right. the the DPI forced him out of bounds? I can't remember the play. Yeah, okay. yeah, the DPI, the DPI, it affected the play. Okay. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's also a fifty fifty call. I don't think that they called Darius Slay on that play. <laughs> it's yeah. the NFL. Uh, from off coverage, too soft on a short out, or a, I guess it's not a short. It's a button hook, but it works as a short out from outside. He's, White said slipped and fell on that play. It should have been a nine-yard completion, but he's off its slow transition. He's not great from off coverage. Did make some good tackles. Shed block, make a tackle on the outside. Uh, big play on a third and 10 right before the half. It was actually the play after it was slow transition. Ertz ran a nine-yard out route or a 10-yard out route. Would have been short of the first down, but did a good job getting that ball out of Ertz's hand on a third, ten, third and 10 where Washington gets the ball back and goes and scores. So that was a big play by Fuller in that game. Um, but yeah, he's got to stop taking the bait on some of these double moves. And he could be better in transition. Now, I was thinking about it. I'm like, dude, I'm going to play soft too. Like a cover two trap against Tampa. I'm going to encourage them to take that double move shot. I'm going to let let him early in this game. If you see a double move, jump it like you got beat, but you're actually a trap corner. And then let the safety play over the top. Like hold the safety a little bit. There's a lot that goes into that. Had a lot to think about this morning at five o'clock. You, you, Kendall Fuller was you, a C-. you think you think um, Arians and, and Leftwich are going to really attack Fuller with double moves with their receivers? I would. Yeah. Ronald Darby. Fuller was a C minus. Ronald Darby. You don't attack Darby with double moves. No, you he don't. is he is a double move expert right now. He is great at sensing the double move. Um. Really good at running with guys, flipping his hips, transitioning, running with guys vertical, carrying things. Pretty pretty good cover corner at this point. A couple negatives. Uh, watch the double pass to Greg Ward that he ends up throwing on the sideline to Fulgram. Where the where is he going? He's running 15 yards downfield on that double pass. The one, and the, then the one, my the, God, the one that Ward threw. 
Ward through to Fulgram on the sideline. Fulgram, my God, if you watch that play, <laughs> no, watch Fulgram, go Fulgram catches it on the sideline, and he's like, no, I'm just going to take a step out here. There's why no did, one within 10 yards of him in any direction. Why did he do that? No idea. That would have been another 20 yards, am I right? It would have been more. <laughs> I don't know how many more. Right. 10, for sure. Weird. Um, Got beat on a scramble drill where the receiver decides to plant and run back down the sideline and kind of come back just opens his hips and bails a little too early that was on the second scoring drive transition to plaster receivers again on a scramble a couple of scramble drills with receivers coming back up beat on them was really good down on the goal line in the goal to go situation a couple lockdown coverages i thought ronald darby was a C plus. Okay. Jimmy Moreland. I thought Darby would have been better than that. I, I like Darby a lot. I you think know, he's played just, very well this it's, year. It's just another one of those things. I would grade Darby for the year as a B corner. Well, you weren't sure you were going to get that, you know? No. I think I think B with an arrow up mm -hmm. right now with the way he's playing in this defense. Yep. I think he's been a really nice sign. Really good player. Really helpful. Yep. I trust him. That's all. I'll say that. I trust him against anybody. Okay, what about Moreland and, and Moreau? Who More, Moreau got 35 snaps in this game, the most he's had since, I don't know, very early in the season. Yeah, he for sure did. Um, the the positives, there are times when Moreland's good pressing up tight at the line of scrimmage. They did this a lot, especially early in the game. They, they pressed. They said, well, we're going to take him off timing. We'll try to stop Hurts from running. And I thought a couple times early in this game, Moreland was actually pretty good. Um, missed a tackle on uh, the Greg Ward double pass. Had a chance to tackle him in the backfield. Ward just juked him. And the crazy thing was, is Bostic is clearly inside a Ward. All Moreland's got to do is keep contain and corral in between those two. And that's not a completion. Right. It's a tackle for loss. He missed that tackle. Uh, there's an interesting play in zone coverage. There's still, there's still some underneath field from zone coverage, and I'm going to give you one play. Um, second quarter of the game, they end up throwing a hitch outside to the running back. There's a three-man set to the left. The running back's the widest. They're playing a cover three with a five-man pressure, so 33B, 3B, mm -hmm. three blitz. Moreland is over the number two receiver, the middle of the three. It's Ortega Whiteside, who runs a vertical route inside go right over Moreland. And Jimmy is really responsible for the flat. Jimmy gets caught up and hemmed up and carries way too deep in the flats thrown. And it's an easy nine-yard gain. Fuller's late to transition and come up and tackle. But Fuller's got to play that deep seam ball. That's a tag that's seen by Ortega Whiteside that ran right through Moreland, acted like a pick, ends up being Fuller's guy. Moreland's got to react to the flat quicker. Those are just, I mean, that's one play, but it's, it starts to define understanding responsibilities as an underneath player. Run into Ortega Whiteside, press him, but get to the flat quicker. Mm. Can't give that up. It's way too easy. Uh, man, and he got he got smoked on two inside digs by Ortega Whiteside. Neither one were thrown. One was a scramble, and one was a Nick Foles interception to Reeves. But if you watch that Reeves interception – why did he not throw the ball in the middle of the field to Ortega Whiteside? Hmm. Moreland was a C minus in this game. Speaking of Reeves and that interception, and they'll transition right to it. Well, what a fucking idiot quarterback play that was. Are you are you going to Reeves before you give me Moreau? 
Yeah, I'm going to go to Reeves. I'll, I'll do Moreau. Moreau didn't play it. Moreau? Okay, here's Moreau. Okay, Moreau. Actually played more than he played in a long time. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, is there an echo? Couple in good here? plays. Had a pass breakup on the sideline. Was fairly consistent <laughs> coverage. I mean, once I thought a little bit too caught up in a run action. He's a flat player in a cover three. Again, like Moreau, he's a flat player in a cover three. It's a run action. He ends up jamming Arthega Whiteside inside, and they throw the flat outside to over the top of his head at the corner. They throw the corner out in front of Darby on a run action, but he gets spun around in there. And you're like, dude, you do not have to press the inside receiver all the way into the middle of the field is you're the flat player. Punch him with your hand, but turn him free at that point. He's not going to attack your zone. He's not going to attack the player behind you in your zone. He's running across the field. Um, but more more than that, I mean, pretty consistent. I thought Moreau was actually a B-plus in this game. All right, before we before you get to the safeties, um, I want to talk about real quickly, mybookie.ag, use my promo code, Kevin DC, they'll match your deposit up to halfway up to $1,000. You deposit 1000 bucks, they'll give you an extra $500 to play with. You want a place that's safe before we get to the safeties. And my bookie is safe, all right? You're going to get quality lines, quality pricing. You're not going to pay outrageous vigs. You're going to get paid if you win, all right? They have every single NFL playoff game this weekend, every which way you want to bet it, including in-game live action which I actually have become a little bit addicted to uh, in some of these NFL games that I that I watch coolly, not red zone-wise, that I'm watching. And, and you get a feel for it, and then you're like, hmm, that's an interesting in-game line. Um, but they have every prop bet heading into this postseason. Uh, they've got all of the postseason award prop bets. Um, go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code, KevinDC, and you're going to get free money to play with. All right, they'll match your deposit up to half uh, of your deposit. So, five hundred bucks extra, two fifty. You know, eight hundred bucks extra, four hundred. If you just open the account with fifty bucks, you'll get an extra twenty-five dollars to play with. Mybookie.ag. Use my promo code Kevin DC. All right, finish it up with the safeties. Reeves, start with the interception play, just because I was on it. Yeah, you you come in, and you definitely practice as a quarterback. And you have a three-man combination, two goes on the outside and a 15, 12 to 15 yard in on the inside. And you decide, I'm going to throw the go ball. I got man-to-man coverage on the outsides. And you take the snap and then you stare at the right side of the field. And then you throw to the right side of the field. You're begging the safety to pick that ball. He never looked him off. Yeah, well. I'm not, hey, my... Saying that Reeves should have went and picked it? No. He does exactly what he should do. But golly, how bad is that? I mean, I can't even. I couldn't watch the Sudfeld stuff. I watched Telly drop the snap, and I was like, I'm done with this. I mean, well, I mean, this is what they knew old Nate would do. And it's too bad because Nate's such a great guy. He's, it's so bad. It's so, it's really too bad. I mean, just look to the right and throw to the left. Or look to, oh, that's why I should have played quarterback. Uh, hold on for a second. Simple. Hey, uh, uh, Doug, Doug, uh, it, it's too it's too close. It's 17-14. What in the hell are you doing down there? What in the hell are you doing? This is going to be the difference between number six, and we can we can trade that along with a couple of other things, maybe to get Fields and and, and or Lance or or even Wilson. And what are you doing here? Get Sudfeld in the game and tell him on his first throw to stare it down. Now get get that done now. 
I mean, he never even looks. He but just threw it right here, to Reed. Listen, I want to make a decision on who our quarterback is. You know, we still have Wentz under contract, and we have Jalen Hurts, and it could be Sudfeld. He, he, the more I think about it, the more you're like, he knew early on if this game became, if he said, if he said to anybody in that broadcast meeting, I want to get Sudfeld in, he had to have known. He didn't want to put Nate in that bad of a spot, but he had to have known if this game's anywhere close, I can, I can put a little marker out there that said, I, I was going to do this anyway, but he knew if the game was going to be close, he'd lose the game that way. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for something because I want to I want I want to share this with you because I thought it was such a really good tweet um, from Kurt Warner um, about this. Uh, just give me two seconds because I definitely. want. OK, here it is. Um, Kurt Warner tweeted out yesterday. How does Nate Sudfeld feel when another coach and he's talking about Joe Judge and Joe Judge's rant mm-hmm. yesterday? How does Nate Sudfeld feel when another coach says that putting him in equals disrespecting the game? Did he not put in 17 weeks of work following all protocols, busted his butt like everyone else, yet God forbid he gets a chance to play in a meaningless game? Just so easy to see one side of it. I thought that was really interesting. I think Joe Judge should have, should just shut the hell up. This is a guy whose team was six and ten, and at the he end won of, six games, Joe. Yeah, and at the end of that Dallas game, I mean, Wayne Gallman nearly fumbled it away. I mean, he's got the ball between his legs. What a disaster! Um, uh, and and it's, by the way, so appropriate the way the division uh, ended for those two teams. Um, but really, I mean, the whole world. And this is why your point about Doug Peterson and Nate Sudfeld being respected and well-liked, that they, they wouldn't have done this to him. It had to be somebody else, you know, because the whole world looked at it and said, Nate Sudfeld equals disrespecting the game's integrity. I mean, that's, a, that's an awful thing to get attached to. Um, and Joe Judge, you know, said it, but everybody was thinking it. You know, everybody, it was the number one conversation on Monday and even yesterday. Like, the Philadelphia Eagle players really are pissed off. They did not want this. They did not like it at all. Um, but there's, I, a, there's more context to this, though. I mean, you're at the 45-yard line going for it on a fourth and seven when you could tie the game with a field goal, and you take a delay of game. You don't challenge a Gibson fumble the, the, that... That Washington didn't even have to hurry up to run the next play to. There's other things that go into this game. You don't kick a field goal to tie the game in a situation where you should have tied the game and go for it on a fourth and four. Right. I, the thing that I was most frustrated about when we were going off on Collinsworth and Michaels the other day, uh, the thing that really struck me, well, for, I mean, all of the things we listed, I'm not going to do that, do that conversation again, but the fourth and seven that you just mentioned – on the delay of game, they, they were telling it was story time with you know Uncle Al and 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 cousin Chris. Like they they totally missed the significance of this. It's fourth down and seven at the Washington thirty-five. This is a coach that that preys on analytics and fourth down analytics. And you're going to tell me at the thirty-five yard line. First of all, you can't kick a field goal with a guy that definitely has a leg on a night with no wind. But you're telling me. That they that this coach who goes for everything is gonna take a delay a game penalty at the other team's 35 yard line on fourth and seven? 
Are you you don't think this is part of the the beginning of the tank job? Because this was before Sudfeld came in. Yeah. And he's already starting to recognize, oh, my God, it's 17-14. we got to lose this game. I mean, I could kick a field goal here. It'd be a 53-yarder to tie it, but I certainly could go for it. And they take a delay of game penalty. And, 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 and the two announcers in the booth, it totally sailed over their head that that had just happened. Anyway, and then they punted it. Well, you know what you can't do when you punt it? Actually, not true with Steven Sims um, on the other end, but you typically can't score when you punt it. <laughs> so let's do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's wrap it up. Reeves. Reeves. I thought Reeves was really good over the top throughout most of the day. I mentioned the corner post on the boot that he ends up taking the bait with Rager to the corner. That's a tough play. Mm-hmm. That That is. I mean, it's a great play call. It's a It's a really cool play the way it played out and it was perfect for the coverage that Washington had but you know that was one of the bad ones he had a missed tackle on Hertz on the first touchdown run we had an opportunity to get him down but you know consistent angles coming down to make tackles from the free safety position I thought really good feel good transition and hips on breaking on balls sideline to sideline showed some really nice speed I thought showed some really good awareness of where he was came down and had a couple safety blitzes where he was impactful timing those things up seemed to get a good feel for the game um, over the last couple weeks I Reeves was an A minus Kev it's awesome Reeves played really well in this ball game all right Cam Curl to finish it up and then Cam Curl is my last pro football focus, weird grade, whatever you want to do. But look, I, I thought the interception, big time press on Ertz. He disrupts the timing of the operation. He's great, hand, great with his hands, great with his feet. That's a big play in the game by Cameron Curl. Three picks in three weeks. Yeah. Really natural and run fits, knows when to avoid, knows how to maintain gap leverage. He knows how to make tackles. He's a consistent tackler. I thought really good. Um, Kev, I, the tackle on the goal to go on the first or second and five is fitting in there, sorting things out. Pretty awesome. Good man-to-man coverage on the goal to go on Ertz. Like I'm trusting Curl more and more to be man-to-man kind of guy. Ertz is not Ertz right now. Yeah, that was that was hard for me to watch because I, I think Ertz is so savvy and is just he, he's a step slow. Hopefully he's going to be better. I like Ertz, so I, I mean I'm hoping it's not the end of the start of the end for Zach Ertz, but um, I thought he plays with, I think Cam Curl plays with really good eye discipline. I think he sees things really well. I think he, he understands what's coming at him. Um, got the, the double, the second double pass. He does a great job running with, I think they were trying to throw it to Richard Rogers and he covers that up. Um, so I thought Cam Curl was pretty good. The negatives on Curl, he has the holding downfield on Ertz um, that they called that's then he asked for a push off after the hold. He's holding him at 13 yards and Ertz pushes off and still wins again. Like that's, you can't keep grabbing him after five yards. Just can't. Right. It's really not that hard. If you grab him at all after five yards, in theory, it's a holding. Um, and then the only other play that I think he could have made in this game, they threw the, the ball down the middle of the field to Arthega Whiteside. That was a third down and seven. Something like that on that touchdown drive. They're in a quarters coverage. It's a three-man route concept, which, again, if you want to talk about throwing the game, you're going to lock up seven on all these third downs for a quarterback who can really run. 
and run three-man combinations. That's not normal Philly. So inside Ortega Whiteside is just running a deep crossing route, and outside you have two seams. Kamakuro is the quarter safety to the side. He's playing the middle quarter of the field to the Ortega Whiteside play. It should have just it should have been a pick. Ortega Whiteside didn't do anything to break him off. The ball wasn't incredible. Curl waited on it just a step long. I don't know why. I think he should have picked that ball. I think it should have been a two interception game for him. But for me, I graded Cameron Curl as a B. And PFF? PFF graded him as a 52.7. Hmm. My PFF grade, the way they do things, a B would have been right around a 70. Mm-hmm. Why is he 20 points low for PFF? A holding penalty? Thought he was in on tackles. Thought he was consistent in the scrimmage. Thought he was good throughout this game. I, I just I just didn't see it, you know? You so, know, there like, are three guys on this defense that I think were 20 points low for the PFF score, if not more. I don't get it. It doesn't matter. Uh, the point is, I know I feel really consistent with how I'm grading these guys. Just take anything that you see. If so-and-so is graded out at PFF, just take it with a grain of salt. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're pretty good. Other times, they're not. And that's that's the film breakdown for the day. Uh, and I got about two minutes for you because okay. I got to talk to Kime. Okay. Um, so two things. Number one, um, I think the Chase Young uh, being offsides on the Cam Curl first interception, which we talked about the other day, it's probably not worth a flag. It was really close, though. But more importantly, you know, on the All-22, on the first play of the second half on the Gibson run, there is zero chance that that isn't a play that you've got to give me three different angles on if I'm NBC. Because in the All-22 end zone view, I think he fumbles the football. I think it's out. It's very hard to tell. But it is certainly a very close play. If he is down, he is barely down. The ball... Um, is knocked out from a D tackle coming from uh, behind the line of scrimmage, uh, the right side, as he's falling down, and it ends up in 42's hands three yards back from where Gibson lands. Five yards back. You know, two, two to three yards back from where he lands. I think, I, look, that's one of those things where you, if you're trying not to win the game, you don't challenge it. You know, I guarantee you somebody in the Philadelphia coaching room said, hey, Doug, that's a fumble. That is worth a challenge. Let's challenge it. And he said, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. That would give us a really good field position. He's down. He's down. They would have lost. But He's the, down. The fact that NBC did not show you multiple views of that play just yeah. shows you. I just watched it again. He's down. It's From the end zone view? Yeah, he's down. How, do you, see, down. how do you see Did you watch it in slow-mo? Yeah, slow mo zoomed in. Yeah, slow mo. I'm sl- I'm I'm slow mo. His too. knees are down. It's, there's no way I can time this up to say that he's not down. But how do you not challenge it? I don't know. How do you not give me? Look, I'm I'm not saying that it is a fumble. I'm just saying it's plus. Real, if you're trying to throw the game, really close. If you're trying to throw the game, you may as well burn a timeout. Right. It is really close. Really close play. Um, I think he's down. I don't know if he is or isn't. I don't think that on this all 22, you can tell. You definitely cannot tell definitively he is down. That ball is ripped as he's falling to the ground. You cannot see the knees in either one of these two things. But he's upright enough where the knees may not be down. 
All right. Uh, so. Cooley's not with me tomorrow. Uh, he will be with me Friday. We will preview the first playoff game for this franchise in five years. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great See day. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.